Welcome to Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. Here's to Your Health discusses the current thinking and wellness, bringing you the most influential thinkers in beauty, fitness, and longevity. Your host, Joshua Lane, was part of the Dr. Ann Wigmore team that helped bring wheatgrass, sprouts, and raw foods to a worldwide audience. And now the host of Here's to Your Health, Joshua Lane. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. And my guest is Jolie Root, and Jolie Root is the senior nutritionist for Carlson. Carlson, well-known for their fish oils, really the leader in fish oil technology, and really one of the most influential of the supplement houses uh, available here in the United States and around the world, actually. So it's always a pleasure when Jolie's on the show. Jolie, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Thank you, Josh. It's always good to be here with you. Thank you. I enjoy having you on, and I always enjoy the discussion of fish oil omega-3s, the value of fish oil, because I am personally a big fan of fish oil. I know the value, and also as a promoter of the idea of supplements and using fish oils, I do know from personal experience and working with many clients how quickly fish oil omega-3s kick in so people see benefit, and people are thrilled that in a short amount of time, and in my experience, usually in a week, sometimes less, people think, wow, that actually kicked in. Yeah. Yes, people experience the difference with the omega-3s, and that um, often, I think, leads people to try other supplements and other dietary changes because they get success with the omega-3s mm-hmm. and it emboldens us to think, well, if that works so well, maybe there's something to this vitamin D or some of the other right. nutrients. Right. So I think it's a great way to put people on the right path. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, people really like, uh, they like to know, okay, if I try this omega-3s, you know, the officials from Carlson, you know, what will they do for me and when will they kick in? And they really do kick in right away and they seem to do many things and whenever, uh, you know, you on on the air with me and to give a Carlson report, you always mention how many tens of thousands of studies there have been supporting the claims of fish oil and can I ask, what is the number up to now? Well, we're up over 45,000 at this point, so there's just a lot of published evidence to describe the benefits of the omega-3s, and we just keep learning more and more. So, you know, whether it's mood or cognition or whether we're looking for help with inflammation that may be giving us some issues or reducing, changing some of the the numbers when we're looking at heart risk. They they play roles in in almost all of these areas. But I wanted to talk about skin today, skin and hair, because there's evidence there as well. And one of the things, because it is summertime, and we spend more time in the sun, usually this time of year, omega-3s can help to protect against the harmful ultraviolet rays, the UVA and the UVB, and can reduce the skin's sensitivity to the ultraviolet rays. And in one study, participants were taking 4 grams of EPA, for three months, and that would have been 
looking for heart benefits when they're using EPA alone because that is a medical use for omega-3. And it increased their resistance to sunburns um, by more than 100%, 136%, and they didn't see any changes in the placebo group, so they knew it was the omega-3 EPA that was bringing that benefit. And another group of people were using EPA and DHA, and they experienced less redness after ultraviolet exposure. Um, And omega-3s can reduce the severity of symptoms of some photosensitivity disorders like skin rashes or blistering after exposure to the sun. So that is something that we don't talk about that often, that if you're on fish oils for another reason, whether it's a heart benefit that you're after or memory and healthy cognition, your skin is going to fare better when you get sunlight on it. So that's just something to know. Another place where I used them in my nutrition practice for years was reducing the severity or even helping to prevent acne. And this is something that affects not just kids, not just teenagers, but people of all ages. And because omega-3s help to correct uh, uh, overexpression of inflammation in the body, we now know that acne can primarily be caused by inflammation and infection, and omega-3s can help to fight that. And a few of the studies actually showed a decrease in the lesions when people supplemented with omega-3s, either alone or in combination with other nutrients like vitamin A. Um, uh, So alone or in combination with things like vitamin A, omega-3s can help to reduce the severity of acne or even help to prevent it in some people. So that's something to know because people whose skin breaks out all the time struggle with that and sometimes are on medications. And the omega-3s can support healthy skin together with those medications. Some of these people were actually on some of these vitamin A derivative medications, and when they took omega-3s along with it, they got better results. Um, And then some people have things like psoriasis or dermatitis, and omega-3s help to moisturize the skin. And that's because they work in the cell membranes, and when we have healthy cell membranes, the cells are able to control holding on to fluid inside the cells, and that works in the skin, omega-3s appear to improve the barrier function of the skin, which helps to hold in moisture and also helps to keep out irritants. So people see an increase in skin hydration when they use omega-3s. And Josh, that's something that we all want because when our skin looks more hydrated, it's smoother, less fine lines, less of the wrinkling, and 
we like the health benefits, but but we like the the vanity benefit as well. Oh sure, our guest is Jolie Root. Uh, Jolie Root is the senior nutritionist for Carlson. Carlson, well known for the quality and importance of their fish oils, and how Carlson really promoted the newer fish oil technologies as far as extraction in the 80s, and really helped to revive the whole area of the use of omega-3s, EPA, DHA, so they really are influential. Jolie, let's go back to the discussion of skin, which is always like a major topic for me, having skin issues as a boy, as a young man, and so being really kind of sensitive there. And so you're saying that by using fish oil, EPA, DHA, that we actually, let's say you're, you're fair, let's say you're blonde. So blondes always, you know, had to get a lot less sun, and redheads, a lot less sun, right? And so, but you're saying that really by taking EPA, DHA fish oils, that indeed we might be more tolerant of the sun and have less problems yes. with the sun? Wow, wow. Yes. may be able to spend a little more time in the sun. I'm not advocating that people go out and get sunburned. Right. You know, that's just a bad idea right. all the way around. Right. But we get important health benefits from the sun. Right. It help, The sun helps our skin to produce some vitamin D, which is a, a very important function for health. And people who get to spend a little bit of time out in bright sunlight during the day have mood benefits. You yes. just seem to feel more calm, uh, brighter mood, and one of the benefits of that is that when we get some bright sunlight during the day, we get uh, a better ability to produce melatonin at night, which helps us sleep. So in, in improving our ability to be out and get some ultraviolet exposure, omega-3s can help with a lot of these other benefits indirectly. Um, so, And we know that omega-3s support a brighter mood and have a calming influence on people, um, but indirectly they can support our production of melatonin, which resets our sleep and wake cycles, our, our circadian rhythm. So, it, you know, to be able to get out and get some bright light, that's a great thing. And you mentioned people that have a more fair complexion, people that are blonde maybe or redheads, do have a little bit less tolerance for the ultraviolet exposure. So if omega-3s can increase the time that people are able to be out in the bright light, that's a very, very good thing. Boy, it is a good thing. It, it's, it's impressive. This information on the value of omega-3s, our guest is uh, Jolie Root. Uh, Jolie is the senior nutritionist for Carlson, Carlson known for the fish oils. It's really impressive what these fish oil-based omega-3s, EPA, DHA, will do for us. And my question now is, if we, let's say we're adults, and we're going to be using EPA, DHA, just therapeutically, in general, what is the potency that you recommend? Well, 2,000 milligrams combined EPA and DHA is generally what I recommend, unless there's a reason for a little bit more. And a reason would be, let's say a person is, is constantly anxious. Anxiety um, can be debilitating, and that the, we know that the better dose 
for that is 3,000 milligrams, mm-hmm. three grams combined, EPA and DHA. And the other reason would be a medical reason, a person that might have, it, it, you go and you get your checkup and you get your blood work done and the doctor comes back and says, we've got a little issue here with triglycerides, mm-hmm. which is one of the risk factors in heart health. And omega-3s are the first line of treatment for elevated triglyceride levels, and that dose is 4,000 milligrams a day. But in general, people that are not dealing with those specific issues, in general, adult body weight people, I recommend the 2,000 milligrams because now we have uh, a more than a decade worth of test results for people who have done the little blood spot testing for omega-3 levels called the omega-3 index. And what we know is, generally speaking, for adult body weight people, 2,000 milligrams is an amount that will put a person at the target level, which is 8%, in case anybody's wondering. And so that's why I recommend the 2,000 milligrams is to get to a target level of omega-3 relative to all the other fats that would be uh, measurable. And that target level confers the many different benefits for most people that we discuss whenever we have these conversations. And when we're using the Carlson EPA DHA to get omega-3s, uh, mm-hmm. Do you like to recommend the Carlson liquid cod liver oil? What What do you like to recommend? I, uh, you know, I vacillate. Some people won't do a liquid. Mm-hmm. I love the cod liver oil because the cod liver oil has the additional vitamin A and vitamin D content. So the person is getting omega-3s, the vitamin A, and the vitamin D, which supports immune function, supports healthy skin, which we've been talking about today. So cod liver oil is a great choice, but somebody might already be getting vitamin A and vitamin D and some other supplement that they're taking, in which case I'd probably just go with a straight fish oil. And there are people that won't do a liquid in spite of the fact that the Carlson liquids are taste award winning and come in a lot of different flavors that incorporate very nicely into smoothies or salad dressing, but some people would just rather have a capsule, and if that's the case, that's fine. Just make sure that you read the label, see how much EPA and DHA a serving is providing, and then take enough to get you to that 2,000 milligram level. All righty. And a question I always think is important, and Jolie, when we use the Carlson fish oil, either liquid or capsules, do you suggest we take it with a meal? Yes. Okay. Because you've got digestion going on when you're eating food. Even when you start to smell food, your body begins to prepare for breaking those foods down and deriving the nutritional benefits. So you've got pancreas making lipase, which breaks down fats, which omega-3s are a fat. So mealtime is the perfect time. All righty. All righty. Our guest has been Jolie Root, 
And Jolie Root's a regular contributor to the show. And Jolie is the senior nutritionist for Carlson. Carlson, known for their fish oils. Always like to mention this, how Susan Carlson, the registered pharmacist, really introduced natural vitamin E, D-alpha tocopherol, plus the beta, delta, and gamma tocopherols, to the marketplace in 1965, when that was a very important technological breakthrough. So I'm a very big fan of Carlson. They have a great track record. This is Josh Lane. You're listening to Here's to Your Health. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. Most American diets are low in cold water fish that are abundant in important omega-3 oils. DHA and EPA are the vital components of fish oil that provide healthy benefits. Not only are they crucial for brain and vision development, they're very important for cardiovascular health. Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great-tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence. For Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency, and freshness. Ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. That's right, ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. Theory is a family-owned and operated supplement brand on a mission to inspire wellness in all. From farm to shelf, quality is at the heart of our products, made in Southern California. Try new U-Theory Daily Fat Burner for healthy weight management. U-Theory Turmeric to support healthy inflammation response. U-Theory Collagen for hair, skin, nails, tendons, and ligaments. And Ashwagandha to help reduce stress, boost overall well-being and clarity. U-Theory, made for all of you. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. And my guest is the author of a new book called Core Creativity, The Mindful Way to Unlock Your Creative Self. It's Dr. Ronald Alexander. He's a PhD, a psychotherapist, who really uh, has been working in the field for a very long time and is well-liked by many people who are also in a leadership position in the field, I'll use the word of human potential of creativity, including Jack Kornfeld, uh, Ken Wilber, very well known, uh, Ken Dickwald. Uh, these uh, men and others are, you know, colleagues of Ron Alexander. And again, the new book is Core Creativity, uh, published by Roman and Littlefield, an important academic press. Uh, Dr. Alexander, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Oh, thank you, thank you. Happy to have you on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now your new book. Now you this is uh, you have other books, but this is your newest book. And uh, I know, uh, reading your bio, that you have worked with many creative musicians and also with many of the uh, major studios and uh, and large corporations. So, what is it that they're looking for when they work with you? Well, most um, I would divide. Uh the population I work with between gifted, highly gifted creatives, such as renowned musicians, filmmakers, writers, directors, uh, fine artists, painters, 
uh, in writers, and ordinary individuals who really are interested in reading the book and working with me um, so that they can become more creative uh, at the jobs that they do. They can become more creative in how they run their company, how they uh, interact with their employees and their fellow staff uh, on their teams. And gifted creatives are always looking for that next big idea or they're looking for that next breakout uh, record. And so they're really interested in how they can push the boundary and get to a new frontier so that they're not just doing everything uh, by formulaic uh, mechanisms. Right. Our guest is uh, Dr. Ronald Alexander, Ph.D., author of a brand-new book, uh, Core Creativity, The Mindful Way to Unlock Your Creative Self. Dr. Alexander, as a very young man, uh, I'd like to ask you these questions. Where did you receive your undergraduate and graduate degrees, and which thinkers, say in the 60s, 70s, were most influential for you? Well, I had one of the greatest rides, I would say, both academically and in terms of coming up in the 60s. I got to study with all the great masters, master therapists and uh, spiritual teachers and gurus of the time. I went to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, and I was enrolled in what's called a five-college program. So I got to study psychology at UMass Amherst, and then Buddhist studies and Zen Buddhism at both Smith College and Amherst College. And then I got to study altered states of consciousness at Hampshire College, which was just like phenomenal. I paid state tuition, but I got to go to a bunch of mini Ivy schools, uh, which was fantastic. And that's where I was first exposed to the work of Fritz Perls in Gestalt Therapy. Uh, Alan Watts came and spoke at Amherst um, College. Toyum Trumpa Rinpoche came. Uh, we had Joseph Campbell um, and many, many other uh, notables uh, at that time. Uh, Jack Canfield was also there uh, in the School of Education, along with myself and uh, Ken Blanchard, who became, you know, the one-minute manager guy. So we were all really the pioneers, um, the early uh, recruits heading out into the great forest of the unknown of knowledge and wisdom and seeking enlightenment and uh, growing creativity, pushing the boundaries. So really, I, so based on all the uh, important thinkers you mentioned, so really you were at the, as a young man, at the forefront of thinking this was all very important information, when really I'm sure in the 60s, 70s, there was a lot of pushback against all that. I mean, that was considered rather, uh, I use the word avant-garde in a nice way, but it was dismissed by mainstream, was it not? Yes, very much so. I'm a, I'm a very unusual anathema because... I was raised in uh, Boston as an Irish Catholic going to private Catholic schools. But I would spend my uh, Saturdays and Sundays hitchhiking into Harvard Square and reading in the afternoons books on existentialism. And then about six months into doing that, I discovered all these books on Zen Buddhism. And then in the evenings, I would catch all of the great music acts at the Club 47, mm -hmm. Joan Baez, sure. Tom Rush. Sure. Um, and then when the folk wave shifted to the folk rock and psychedelic wave, 
there was the Boston Tea Party, and there was the psychedelic supermarket in Boston. Right. And then we had the Who, Cream, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin actually opened for the Who at the um, Boston Tea Party uh, for an entire week. Now, that's kind of a, a, a funny thing. Right. But it was from listening to all of that uh, in music, and also, of course, attending concerts with the Rolling Stones, um, and being right up close, like I would be in the first row most of the time, um, because I played in the group, and there were Battle of the Bands, and when you won certain um, contests, you got to be up close at some of these concerts. So I got a real first uh, ear, first ear view of what it was like to be creative. And then, of course, when I landed in Hollywood after graduate school up in uh, Northern California, I started working with various individual musicians and then some of the groups. And had the unique opportunity to meet a lot of people in Fleetwood Mac and Tom Petty and um, Ringo Starr. I'm really blessed to, to be able to get up close and to ask them, what's your creative process? Like, here you have phenomenal an amazing success. What motivates you to keep going and keep pushing it? And so in the first part of my book, I have um, a story of that there's a person that runs his fingers across um, a certain instrument. And that's, that's a Ringo Starr, because what I was most impressed with meeting him, and this was meeting him on a personal level, nothing professional, um, was his incredible ethic, his work ethic. After all of that success he had with the Beatles and with film, here's a guy that gets up every day, he meditates, he and his wife Barbara have a, a very excellent clean diet. they um, longtime members, it's all public information in um, AA, very devoted uh, to their health, to their well-being, to their families. But he's a guy who is a renowned creative, and he's in his 80s now, and he gets up every day and he wants to push the boundary. And that's what core creatives are all about. And in my book, Core Creativity, I talk about, uh, and I interview uh, a number of innovative creatives, and they all have that same internal compass that says, get up, get out of bed, do something great each and every day with your life. Wow. Our guest is Dr. Ronald Alexander. Dr. Alexander, Ph.D., is the author of a brand-new book, uh, Core Creativity, The Mindful Way to Unlock Your Creative Self, uh, published uh, just very recently by Roman and Littlefield, an important academic press. So when you work with these creative individuals, they are happy I'm, I'm guessing that they know your background, and so they're happy to work with you because you represent someone they're comfortable listening to. Am I correct? Is there some po politics involved in that? There's some uh, psychotherapists, some PhDs would really be opposed to your thinking, feeling that indeed it, it is not good science. Is there opposition? Well, there's always, uh, first of all, I grew up in Boston. My father was very involved in Boston politics, so I know about backroom uh, Boston Irish politics. There's politics inherent in everything. And even in the psychotherapy and the field of psychology, there's a lot of uh, 
politics and envy and jealousy, um, where you're oftentimes taken to task if you go out on the road with a particular band um, and it, speak at a conference and you, you get the permission from the band to discuss that. And there's always pushback. Hmm. But what's really um, unique is to be able to have the blessing and have the opportunity to sit with such eminent creatives and to be a voyeur inside of their creative process, which then allows me to sort of harness and harvest um, in very, very important seeds of creativity that then I can replant in my office with ordinary people who want to become creative. Right. And that's what's really special. And so whether I'm out some, <coughs> sometime when I'm in Maui and I'm having lunch with Mick Fleetwood or Fleetwood Mac, and I'm always picking his brain, and he, he'll, he at times he'll turn to me and he'll go, okay, so now we're into a rock and roll conversation? You know, just sarcastically. Um, but what I'm really interested in is what's his creative process? How's a guy like Mick Fleetwood? Well, Fleetwood Mac has had four or five generations of that band. Mm -hmm. right. What he does in how he, he communicates and he interacts and how he brings in new talent and then how he gets the ongoing talent to repair things, to heal things, and to keep pulling a rabbit out of the hat to keep going on and being incredibly, uh, extraordinarily creative uh, as a group. That really interests me of how he thinks about things, how he communicates, and again, harvesting that and then taking it into everyday people. That's the secret to it all. Right. Our guest is like Robert, Robbie. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Like Robbie Robertson of the band. In the documentary that says, um, Once We Were Brothers, he says, the creative process catches you off guard. You know, you write about what you know, uh, where you've been, who you knew. Um, and creativity, it comes from the womb of emptiness, and creativity comes from the trunk of your imagination. Now, how wonderful is that? And that's something not in quite poetic words that Albert Einstein also said, that imagination comes from the big idea. Hmm. That's the trunk of imagination. Right, right. Our guest is Ronald Alexander. If you're just joining us, Ron Alexander is a Ph.D., author of a brand-new book called Core Creativity, The Mindful Way to Unlock Your Creative Self, and he's worked with uh, many well-known uh, entertainers, rock and rollers, musicians, uh, creative people, and uh, he is also seems to be very well-liked and accepted by them. Uh, Dr. Alexander, one reason why someone like Mick Fleetwood or others would be happy with you is you have such a strong academic background that they feel comfortable talking to you, that you really, you know, have a lot of back, you can, that you can help them. Is that it? Yes, because there's two things. Is I've kept myself um, in a very uh, sacred and uh, closeted uh, place in that I haven't uh, been out there uh, doing a lot of name dropping other than with the book. Right. But prior to that, I keep things very close to my chest, and um, 
usually refuse all, all sorts of uh, articles and magazines or uh, uh, newspapers about the people that I work with because I have a great respect uh, for those relationships, both professionally but also personally. Right. Because many of those relationships grow into uh, personal relationships because they send their kid, children to me um, for counseling and, and or creative uh, coaching. And so it's important to earn the respect and the trust of the people that you work with. And one of the best ways of demonstrating that is to really show a sincere interest, not in their fame or their name, but in their creative process. Mm -hmm. Most of them are always very, very deeply touched. And they'll say to me, like, I was um, in 1993, I was in the tail end of the Zeropa tour uh, with U2. Um, you know, we were sitting in a pub uh, at about 2.30 in the morning having some Guinnesses. We were talking about um, what I came to coin the phrase open-minded consciousness, um, which is, it's a state where not only all creatives, but most importantly, musicians like Beethoven and Mozart and U2 and the Beatles, where they get quiet enough, or they go off to Berlin or to Morocco to Fez, and they put themselves on Joshua Tree, and they put themselves in different environments. And in those different environments, they're able to immerse themselves into what I call the mud of creativity, gritty, muddy. And I've traveled to India many, many times studying meditation and various forms of uh, yoga with saints and yogis and uh, seers. And the most beautiful flower in all of India is the white lotus, and it grows in a mud pond, which is just this, it's both in nature, but it's a wonderful metaphor for that with our creative process, we want to dig into our pain, our suffering. We want to dig into feelings of loss um, and meaninglessness, as well as digging into happiness and joy and uh, core creativity. Right. So that we want to mine down into all of that. Right. Our guest has been Dr. Ron Alexander. We've, we've simply run out of time. Dr. Ron Alexander is a Ronald Alexander is a PhD. Brand new book, uh, Core Creativity. The Mindful Way to Unlock Your Creative Self, published by the academic press uh, Roman and Littlefield. It's an important press. And I think you find the book uh, very worthwhile uh, to, uh, you know, get more, I guess, frankly, get more work out of yourself, more creative work. It's a very nice book. Again, Core Creativity by Dr. Ronald Alexander. This is Josh Lane. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back after these important messages. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. And most American diets are low in important omega-3 oils. Omega-3 oils are the vital components of fish that provide numerous health benefits. Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems supply concentrated amounts of these omega-3 oils that are needed to support vision, brain function, and a healthy heart. 
Each great-tasting Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gem Soft Gel contains 1,250 milligrams of fish oil from deep cold-water fish. That supplies a full 800 milligrams of omega-3s, all in only one easy-to-swallow soft gel. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for they are tested for purity, potency, and freshness by an independent FDA-registered laboratory. Ask for Carlson Elite Omega-3 Gems at your favorite natural food retailer today. U-Theory is a family-owned and operated supplement brand on a mission to inspire wellness in all. From farm to shelf, quality is at the heart of our products made in Southern California. Try new U-Theory Daily Fat Burner for healthy weight management. U-Theory Turmeric to support healthy inflammation response. U-Theory Collagen for hair, skin, nails, tendons, and ligaments. And Ashwagandha to help reduce stress, boost overall well-being and clarity. U-Theory, made for all of you. Welcome to this edition of Here's to Your Health. I'm your host, Josh Lane. And my guest is uh, Mark Matthew Bronstein. And uh, Mark uh, has been a guest of the show before and has, for the past, oh, more than 40 years, been writing articles on wellness, on art, on a variety of interesting topics, and has enjoyed an academic career and has a brand new book out called uh, Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for Cannabis Smokers, published actually by uh, Roman and Littlefield, an important academic press. And the now that cannabis has become not exactly but almost mainstream, uh, the question is how can we use cannabis, since, since a lot of studies support that cannabis is indeed helpful for us, uh, how can we use it in the most beneficial manner, which as it turns out, is more complex than uh, many of us would understand. Uh, Mark Bronstein, welcome to Here's to Your Health. Thank you, Josh. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. And uh, you have a number of important books on, on on topics of wellness, including a book I just want to mention to the listeners, uh, the radical book on ra- radical vegetarianism, which I think was published in 80 or 81, which was a very, very long time ago to publish such a interesting, and I'll use the word academic in a good way, book on uh, vegetarianism, veganism, when that was really, uh, n- people didn't even know the term. Correct. No one knew the word vegan, not even vegetarians. That's mm-hmm. why the title of the book couldn't have been anything with the word vegan in it. Vegan in it. So instead, it was called radical vegetarianism. Right, right. Because I, I, you and I are roughly the same age, and I remember the era when I was vegan, but no one really used the term we called ourselves raw food vegetarians. That was the term vegan was around. I think H.J. Dinshaw in Malaga, New Jersey, was promoting it. He was a man older than us, and he was promoting it. And so the term was around, but as I remember it, it wasn't used. Correct. No one, no one knew the word then or its tenets. But of course, that's certainly changed today. <laughs> so. Yes, it certainly has. And may I ask? So. When did you become a vegetarian and then a vegan vegetarian? Um, I became a vegetarian in 1966 at the age of 15 wow. and a vegan in 1970 at the age of 19. 
And those, you know, a very slow transition. I think slow transitions are are the most um, uh, formidable. And uh, it took me a while to make that change. And I became a mostly raw foodist, but vegan, by 1977, influenced by our um, our mutual friend, Victoria Skolvinskas. Yes. Yes, Victor Sklovinskis, a very influential teacher, possibly the most influential of the raw food vegetarian teachers of the 1970s, 1980s, whose work gave birth to hundreds of young men and women who were promoting this. But at the time, Victor was, as I remember it, largely alone in a leadership position, doing quality work, and he was a very forthright, upstanding individual who I worked with for two years in Boston, and so I knew the quality of his work, and he was enormously influential. Did he write the preface of one of your books? Yes. The first edition of Radical Vegetarianism, I was very, very honored to have him write the foreword. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so so he, he's a great uh, person to work with. Now, our guest is uh, Mark Matthew Bronstein, uh, and an author uh, who covers many topics, uh, including uh, topics of literature. Uh, but, Mark, you have a new book out called Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for Cannabis Smokers. Now, my question for you is, that really, to some extent, seems like a departure, or I should just say, you just you continue to study and learn and grow. So what is it about cannabis, which has nothing to do with being vegan, what was it that made you study the value and then promote the use of cannabis? Well, I have to make a a small confession. Despite my raw foodism and and veganism and my being an athlete and at the time uh, being a a mile swimmer and a a half marathon runner and not eating white flour or white sugar or any caffeine or alcohol, I nevertheless smoked marijuana back, you know, in the 60s. And, you know, I I, I wouldn't say I qualified as a pothead, since my use was you know, once or twice a week on the weekends. I think many other people um, qualified in the same. But that was really you know, my only dietary or lifestyle indiscretion. Mm-hmm. And of course, back in those times, there were no alternatives to smoking, as of course you can find today, you know, in, in terms of salts and tinctures and edibles and, and vaporizing. So smoking was the way, and I always was very conscious of the fact that this was an anomaly in my own life. And so I became interested in how to reduce the health risks of smoking, since indeed it's a very risky behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't deny that. You know, it's better not to smoke and to smoke, just like it's better to not take any drugs than to take any drugs. So if one is going to indeed smoke cannabis, there are ways to minimize the risk, and also to maximize benefits at the same time. And so, you know, I addressed that in uh, two articles uh, over the course of the past uh, 15 years or so, and it culminated in this book, and um, and I really explored it in more ways than I even thought possible. And um, you know, so the, the book itself has 10 chapters, and I really give, you know, 10 health tips, but in a very uh, intricate way. On the radio show today, I could give you a very rough outline of those 10 tips, but I'd like to explore just one or two of them in more depth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Again, let me just mention our guest is Mark Matthew Bronstein, author of uh, many books on wellness, 
including books on, you know, the vegetarian vegan approach uh, at a time when there were very few of those important books around. And now has a new book out, uh, Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for Cannabis Smokers by the important academic publisher, uh, Roman and Littlefield. So now, since most people really, I don't think, know much about ingesting cannabis, what's the best ways. So why don't you please, Mark, tell us what are the ways you think are positive and what are the ways people use cannabis that you think, no, that's not a good idea? Well, uh, you know, as I mentioned, smoking is not advisable. But if one is going to smoke, there are ways of minimizing the risk. And um, the, the first chapter being in the beginning of the book, I think, is the most important um, health tip I can possibly convey, and it's also the easiest. It's doing not something more than what you're already doing, but doing something less. When people inhale the smoke, they should not hold that hit. They should not hold it in. The only thing they're doing when they're holding it in is absorbing more tar and more ash and not any more of the cannabinoids, which are the the reason that you, you, you want to engage in cannabis consumption at all anyway. And this has been proven scientifically through a series of experiments during the 1990s. And um, people, when I tell this to, after a lifetime of their smoking and of you know, deep inhalations and holding it in, they seem incredulous. But on the other hand, anyone who has followed my advice have all come to agree you do not hold, need to hold a hit. And for instance, cigarette smokers don't hold in that inhalation. They might take a deep drag, but they don't hold it in. And if they held it in the way many pot smokers do, they'd probably all be dead. Hmm. So, so that's number one, okay? Number two is addressing the ignition system, the most toxic part of the cannabis smoking experience is that butane lighter or that match. And people just seem never to acknowledge that, never even to conceive of it. You know, and a match head, of course, is filled with many toxic substances. Most matches consist of potassium, phosphorus, sulfur, percolates, which are the ingredient of missile fuels and explosives. Okay? And if they're all in the same match head, that's called a strike-anywhere match. They even smell bad just sitting there in the box. When you strike such a match, you know how bad they smell. And if you're smelling it, then you're breathing it. Better than strike anywhere matches are what are called safety matches, the ones that come in small match boxes or small match books. The difference between them being relatively safe is that two of those five ingredients are on the strip, three are in the match head, so you're only striking, you're only causing an explosion of those three, which is two-fifths less. Of a, of a toxic load that you're breathing. And they do mean breathing, because everyone puts it right to their joint, right to their pipe. They don't give it a chance to burn down, to burn the match head or, or the butane fume. Butane is even, is almost as bad. Of course, it's not as smelly. It's a very faint smell. But the butane fumes, even worse, is uncombusted butane. Little kitties can get high on it just by breathing in the fumes themselves, not not when it's in, as a flame. You want to avoid that, okay? The alternative is flameless lighters. They're also called uh, USB lighters because that's how they're charged. 
Tesla lighters because he was the original inventor years ago of something that this is based on. Arc lighters, plasma lighters. These are really two electrodes with a with that little bolt of electricity dancing between them. You put your joint, the tip of the joint to that and it ignites the joint or you insert it into your pipe and it ignites the cannabis in the bowl. There's no real fumes from the the flameless lighter itself. So that would be a good way of of um, avoiding the combustion from that ignition system. Wow, that's, that's great that's, advice. That's, that's great. Our guest is Mark Matthew Bronstein, author of a book, uh, Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for Cannabis Smokers. And uh, that's, I had never heard any of this. This is all, this all seems like important information and, and also basic, and people actually will feel better. So again, so yeah. you mentioned, you said they're called arc lighters? Arc lighters or plasma lighters mm-hmm. or flameless lighters or USB lighters, yes. Okay, so those you think are, of everything you mentioned so far, the best choice? Yes. Okay. And, and these can also be used by cigarette smokers. Okay. okay. So it applies equally to them. As an alternative, because you know, they are on the relative costly side compared to a match, compared to a cheap 69-cent butane lighter, is what I recommend is you light a candle, keep it at arm's length so you're not smelling the fumes from the candle, and using flat toothpicks and igniting that flat toothpick on the candle and using that to ignite the cannabis in your bowl of your pipe or just reaching to the, to the um, flame of the candle with your joint and lighting it there. So there, you're not smelling any exhaust from the butane lighter or from the match as well. Okay? Okay. Sure. The next chapter is about joints, and that is obviously the use of rolling papers and rolling papers meant for cigarettes are actually treated to promote the the regulation the to regulate the burning of that paper and often what's used in in uh, cigarette papers is potassium nitrate to regulate that flame and that is a highly toxic chemical and people are all inhaling that along with the cannabis or of course cigarettes okay so you want to make sure if you're going to use rolling papers to use organically grown rolling papers. Usually that's hemp. All right. So that would be the, the advisable way of going about rolling papers. Mm-hmm. And not flavored because a flavored rolling paper also has extra toxic effects from its condition. And, and not bleached because bleach is chlorine residue. And chlorine gas then is then ignited with the paper. Okay. So you want to go to just non-bleached, non-buffered, preferably organically grown papers. All right. And the next is hand pipes, just commonly called pipes for short. And the advantage of a pipe is its its shaft. the the um, The bowl can be away from you as far as you may wish. Like I have a pipe, for instance, that's arm length. And, you know, you, there, some people know them as Indian peace pipes. Well, those don't quite work because you can't take them apart to, to clean them from the tar that accumulates in the shaft. So you need one that's segmented. The advantage is smoke. This is both cigarette and cannabis smoke. The bad thing about it is it's hot and it's dry. It parches out your mouth, your throat. And when you use a pipe, it cools it down. The longer the shaft of the pipe, 
the cooler the smoke. So that's an important thing about pipes, to use them for that reason. Wow. The next thing, right? next chapter is on water pipes. Water pipes, people all acknowledge it cools the smoke because it passes through and bubbles of water. And indeed, it cools the smoke just like a handpipe does. It does not moisten the smoke, however. No vapor, no water vapor is is transmitted into the smoke when you when you inhale it. It's just a it's sort of a, um, the power of suggestion when you're hearing those bubbles when you're drawing in from the bong, which is the colloquial expression for a water pipe. You know, um, but the problem with water pipes is they do indeed filter out the tar and the ashes, and it's left in the water, which is very stinky. But they also filter out the cannabinoids in that same water, so people end up smoking more because they have to compensate for the lost cannabinoids. So really, water pipes are not as much of a um, of a health aid as one might otherwise wish, okay? Mark, let me just jump in here. Our guest has been Mark Matthew Braunstein, author of Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for uh, Cannabis Smokers from Roman and Littlefield. We simply ran out of time. But I tell you, this is great information. I mean, I don't know any of this stuff. Uh, I don't actually use cannabis because I'm just a very conservative person. However, a lot of people benefit from it. And these ideas seem so... Uh, carefully thought out. I'm very happy, and we're going to have to invite Mark uh, Bronstein back for the show. Again, the new book is called uh, Mindful Marijuana Smoking, Health Tips for Cannabis Smokers, published by the academic press uh, Roman and Littlefield. This is Josh Lane. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after these important messages. The latest from the greatest, the best in new music by classic rockers with your host, the insane Daryl Wayne. This is Alice Cooper, and if Daryl Wayne is insane, what does that make me criminally insane? Stick around to find out. Many of the artist interviews for the latest from the greatest have been captured on audiobook. There is a volume one and volume two. Great information and conversations with people in the industry and people surrounded by the industry and, of course, the rock stars themselves. I'm the Reverend Al Green, and you're listening to the insane Daryl Wayne. And I said, Wayne Insane. You can find it on Amazon or Blackstone Audio. Search for the latest from the greatest from Daryl Wayne, D-A-R-R-E-L-L-W-A-Y-N-E. Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the insane Daryl Wayne, aren't you? (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Here's to Your Health with Joshua Lane. If you have any questions about the guests or topics discussed tonight, please give us a call at 818-707-0005. That number is 818-707-0005. This is Josh Lane. On behalf of the cast and crew, I would like to wish you a healthy and safe good evening.